Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to an episode of Health Ignited. We're here with uh, two incredible individuals, doctors, parents, um, down at, actually in New Jersey, a different part of the world than us, but um, obviously we're all under this one roof, so to speak, in the times that we're in. And uh, we've had the pleasure of getting to know these doctors through uh, uh, a mutual coach, Dr. Dan Pompa. And uh, over the years, we've learned so much from these guys. And uh, they're actually the ones who got us into HBOT uh, just from a lot of their study. And so this is actually Dr. Jason, and I'm going to say Dr. Melissa Saunders book too, because obviously it must have been somewhat of a teamwork. Um, oxygen Under Pressure, amazing, amazing book that helps people understand oxygen as a nutrient in so much more detail. So we're going to get into that and a whole lot more today on the show. And so, uh, Jason and Melissa Saunders, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we look forward to chatting with you more. And maybe Sonia wants to say a few words of just how she's gotten a chance to get to know Melissa in more detail. And Yeah, I mean, you know. they're some of our favorite people in the world now. And just watching them and seeing them grow the last couple of years has been amazing. It's inspiring. And they have three amazing kids. And just so watching them balance um, life with children, parenting, and growing an amazing business and helping the world. So um, I love her. I mean, she's like, I do I just, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way I describe her to people, <laughs> the way I describe Melissa, Dr. Melissa is um, she's like a ray of sunshine. Like she walks into a room and you just feel warm and fuzzy and good. And um, yeah, so amazing individuals. So you are lucky you. that you're going to be listening to them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, and guys. we're so excited to be with you guys. Definitely um, some of our favorite people and just so thankful that we're in this group together and just continue to get to know you guys even better and on a deeper level. So, so good to be with you guys. Yeah, Thanks thank for you. Us. Yeah. yeah. We get to so, talk about one of our favorite topics. So yeah, yeah. well, yeah, that's, that's why we want to talk to you guys. I mean, uh, Jason's been a huge help for me in helping to understand how to integrate HBOT into our clinic. And just as we're about to launch it, obviously uh, the COVID came and we haven't got a whole lot of use other than now it's sitting in our living room. We're using it a whole bunch on ourselves, but um uh, let's let's kind of start off with, if you don't mind, a little bit of the history of of how you got into hyperbaric oxygen therapy and 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 some of the healing that it's had for you and your family and, and where where it went from there. Sure. So uh, you know, so we've always had some degree of like an integrative approach in our you know in our practice. So uh, I've always done some degree of you know exercise and nutrition, and we're both chiropractors, and uh, you know we have sort of a, we think a pretty well-rounded sort of understanding of, of health and how to approach it. And so I had herniated a disc, uh, it was about 12 or 13 years ago. And uh, I, was a, we were, I was a chiropractor at the time, we were practicing at the time. And uh, it, was, it was a bad herniation, I was left with a pretty bad neuropathy in my right leg. And uh, I was being treated, Melissa was treating me, and we were doing a lot of other good things. I mean, we're, you know, I'm taking you know, supplements like natural anti-inflammatories, I'm eating a clean diet, I'm doing like stretches and exercise, all the things that I know that I need to do to help. And while the, the, the initial um, 
the pain, the acuteness of it, you know, that was only maybe two weeks long, three weeks. And I was back to work and I was doing my thing, but I was left with a full drop foot on my right leg. And, uh, you know, a year later, 18 months later, still full neuropathy. So, you know, it was hard for me because to me, I'm like, listen, I'm, I think I, I don't know everything, but I know a lot of good stuff and I'm doing everything I know I'm supposed to. And this thing just won't go away. And so uh, it was just an accident. We were at a conference in, in Las Vegas and there was a, you know, a whole big vendor show with different equipment. And so they had these chambers. I had no idea what they were, but it just looked interesting. So I asked the guy if he was doing demos. So, you know, I went in, you know, quick, I think 20, 30 minute session. Uh, just seemed cool. I, again, no expectation. I got out and I started walking around the, the rest of the expo. And all of a sudden I started getting like a little tingling in my foot that I hadn't felt in almost a year and a half. And so I was like, wow, I wonder, I wonder if I'm feeling this because of that thing I was just in, whatever that was. So I go back, I talk to the guy and anyway, he agrees to uh, do a bunch of sessions with me. So I think I did about eight hours over the course of four days while I was there. And I had left there with about 20% improvement in my foot. And that was really the first time in a year and a half that I've had, you know, much change in that whole neuropathy in the right side. So obviously I was intrigued because, you know, that's a, a marked difference in such a short period of time. So we bought one. Uh, I self-treated for a few months. It took about three or four months. Uh, and then I had full resolution of that. And so, you know, that really piqued my interest to say, wow, I thought, you know, nutrition and exercise and getting adjusted and doing all these wonderful things, but I was missing something. There was an ingredient, you know, that was that I was missing. And so that's kind of where the the oxygen is a nutrient thought process came from. Because I was like, wow, you know what? There are other raw materials besides the things we think of that we put in our mouth that, mm -hmm. you know, play a critical role. You know, now we look at it, we say like, you know, sunlight, like light is a light is a nutrient too. Red light therapy, you know, that's a vitamin mm -hmm. or a nutrient, you know, so is oxygen. And so uh, we slowly started to uh, unroll that into our life. My, my stepdad, uh, was our second patient. He has MS. And so, uh, we put him through a pretty, pretty rigorous, uh, uh course protocol. of care protocol for him uh, in the beginning. And, and he showed some good signs. And that's when I really started getting into the research. I said, listen, I have a neuropathy, but it had a very specific cause. He has neuropathy. It's a totally different cause yet somehow this one thing helped both of those. So clearly there's this like underlying nerve healing component to this. Uh, and that's really what like, you know, head first deal. into like the deep research of it all. It was amazing when we saw his stepdad, Larry's recovery. I mean, for someone who's struggled with MS for years and I've only known him with these symptoms of MS. One of the, the quirky things that Larry always does is you can hear when he was putting his shoes on because he'd have to bang them into the, um, the foot rail of the cupboards in the kitchen and he didn't have to do that anymore. And he used to have to do that because he couldn't feel his toes, right? Mm -hmm. um, so all these things about Larry that were always Larry things just stopped. It was really cool to see. And, you know, we weren't looking for this tool. So it was, it was a really neat coincidence. And then just how it's helped our family and our patients that we just, you know, we continue to be amazed at, wow, it works this well for this. And of course, that makes sense when you understand the mechanism, but to actually see it you know, something that's so simple, it's, it's oxygen and pressure um, can help with so many potentially complicated challenges. Mm -hmm. So we're just really thankful that we kind of stumbled across it at yeah. that conference and, you know, brought it into our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just got a quick question about Larry. So 
Jason, you're, you're someone who exercised, ate well, did the chiropractic adjustments, did everything. And it was like, there's this pretty quick response. Would you say that your, your stepdad was in a similar scenario where he was taking care of all the other things and then this was sort of like a missing piece? Not so much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, that's why I want to ask that just because not everyone's going to come at this therapy with right. the same cellular environment. So if you could kind of speak to that a little bit. Be- <clears throat> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think there, and, and just speaking globally about it, there are people who come in and, and we, we try to put all those pieces together, right? And then there are people who really only want this or only want that, you know? Maybe more of a and, passive experience for right. some people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, you know, I, I think his, his MS, I think is very toxicity. Really. He used to run uh, a company with those 55 gallon drums filled with God only knows what from God only knows where. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, a huge trucking company that only took care of like literally toxic waste. Like that's what he did for a living. So, um, you know, he was coming to it from that. And over the years through my mom, right. Cause he won't do anything on his own. So like, <laughs> I'm like, mom, you got to give him this mom, you got to give him this. <laughs> and so like, we've, we, we were turning over some of those pieces over time. So, you know, it wasn't like starting at zero necessarily, but, um, you know, I think, I think people's response to this has to do with obviously the severity of the case that they have, the, the length of time that they've had it. And then of course, and we don't always know this, but all the underlying facets of things that kind of accumulated in their body over time to lead them to that place. In the, in, you know, so, you know, how many of those pieces can we start kind of peeling away at? And how many will they allow us to peel away at one time and how quickly and how aggressively all of that plays, I think a huge role in, in people's experience and outcome with it. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes, you know, this, sometimes it's like toxicity is such the critical piece. Like if you did everything and didn't do that, you may not get the response. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think like in my case in particular, like I had already done, like you said, a lot of so many of these things. So once oxygen was added, it was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Like, as if that was the only thing that did it. Well, of yeah. course not. It's, it was all the other pieces that we put together that I think yeah. that when once that ingredient was added, like it was like the key that just turned it and you know allowed it to go. Yeah, I think that's a huge point because there's so many people that want that quick fix or they hear something about oxygen or they hear something about red light or vitamin C, IV or whatever it is and they think, okay, that's the thing that I have to commit to to get to where I want, but there's more to it. There's more layers. And Melissa, I know you have your own personal story too with Lyme and, you know, the shifts that you went through with that. So maybe if you can speak to that a little bit and how oxygen has helped you in that realm and also some of the other things that you did, because of course, like you guys are talking about, there's multiple layers to healing, right? Yeah. I'm sure you'll help me through because sometimes I get mixed up in the details, (laughs) like when you're living in it, you know, it's, it's a lot. It was a lot. It still is a lot at times just remembering it. But, um, yeah, we got a few years ago when our kids were like five and three and one. Yeah, I think um, I got hit like like overnight. Uh, and again, it wasn't you know it wasn't that moment. It was a buildup of things. The more I have learned, but uh, got hit really hard with like a neurological form of Lyme, and so it got to the point where like I couldn't make the kids lunches unless I took ibuprofen, which is something that's just not typical for me. Um, I couldn't remember kids' friends' name uh, names. I struggled to get to work a few times, which is like two miles down the road from us, somewhere where I go every day. Um, just felt like I I knew details were there, but I couldn't 
I couldn't connect them. I could literally feel it like just missing. I'd walk out of a room and you know how you like forget what you're doing. Like, what did I come in here for? But it was like this would happen so easily. And I knew it was completely gone in a different way than that, than that other kind of forgetting. Like I would forget where I was going and I knew I was never going to get back to it. Um, so it was really scary. Uh, I, I'm a really pretty healthy woman and especially with kids, it was really scary. Um, particularly because it was something I had never dealt with. I honestly didn't know that much about, and I had no idea how I was going to get back or if I was going to get back. And so, you know, luckily we had hyperbaric in the office. And so I got in really quickly. Like it was probably two weeks that I was really bad. Um, so I got in really quickly and hands down oxygen is what got me through. Um, detox was a big part of it as well, for sure. But I would literally feel when I was in the chamber, it was like um, the cobwebs in my brain were being vacuumed out. So like halfway through a session, it was like, oh my gosh, I can connect the thoughts again. So, um, you know, it's been really empowering to have access to that tool and feel that tool. And now I'm at a point where um, we do have a home chamber. Our kids go in it. We like to have it here. Uh, I'll probably go in once a week just so I can continue to push the envelope for me. So as I got better, it was like, I didn't have a lot of symptoms, but you know, we travel with you guys often and um, those nights get late and they're West coast and we're East coast. Mm -hmm. um, so the time change and everything, then I would start to feel it. And now I've just gotten to a point where as long as I go in every so often, I can really push those limits. I can fly back from a West coast trip on Sunday and be in the office on Monday, totally fine, push my workouts, um, you know, help manage our three kids and our family and our business and be totally fine. So it's definitely one of my power tools that helped get me back pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, I would add to that. It's like, you know, looking back. So what other pieces played a role? Was there like other subacute infections, um, mm -hmm. mold, yeah, cavitations? Mold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Lyme was more the you know, proverbial straw, you know, mm -hmm. and but, hormonal changes. I mean, five, three, and right. one, when I think about that in my head, like, wow, that's yeah. a I mean, lot I, within a few years. You're still nursing. Kyle. I was still that nursing. That was like, that's what, yeah. that's what stopped us. Yeah. That's what basically what ended that. So, yeah. um, you know, cause we had to go do, you know, a bunch of different things for like different herbs, like get all the, my, you know, the whole and microbiome under control. I just needed and, to like, like shut down she just needed to get her body back for mm -hmm. a minute. Like just yeah. to, yeah. So, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of pieces, I think that also played a role in addition, obviously to the oxygen, but it's like, even now, as long as we sort of drip in, you know, pieces of detoxification, as long as we don't stray too far nutritionally, as long as oxygen still plays a critical role, you know, even if it's just periodic, it's like, you know, all things it's are great. Um, mm -hmm. and if we let some of those things slip a little bit, things could slip a little bit. And that's just true for all of us, I think in, in mm -hmm. different ways. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's really important for people that are listening to hear because like, you know, here you're like a mom that's given birth three times within five years and you're nursing and you have a business. It's like it's the everyday woman, right, going through life and navigating life. And then like the bucket fills up. Right. Yeah. And then there's like that one little last straw that break, breaks the camel's back. And yeah. the fact that there's all these different tools that are accessible to people, I think that's the best, like, or most important teaching that there are answers. Because many families will just kind of throw their hands up in the air and be like, okay, this is the new normal, like forgetting right. is a new normal or feeling fatigued and right. needing coffee and wine is the new normal. Right. But I think you guys are changing that paradigm by sharing your stories. No, it's, 
Thanks. Whether it's easy or it's not easy, simple or, but, but it's hard. It's, you know, you're actively making a choice to say, I know that there are answers. I've done things that make a difference. And now am I willing to really commit to that, Mm -hmm. to make that part of who we are and what we do uh, to, to make sure that we're able, you know, so we can't just say, Hey, here's a, here was an issue. We did this thing. It's resolved and it's gone. Cause mm-hmm. there's very few, if any things in our health that are really like that. And so understanding the complexity to how different issues affect us all in different ways and fully committing to the idea that like I could live a better life. Like I have a lot of, there are a lot of things I don't control. Like was it, you know, a lot of what's going on right now, we may not have some control over, but there are still a lot of things we have control over in our life. And if we dedicate the time, you know, and the effort into controlling those things that we do actually have the ability to change, we can live that life that we want, that we deserve, that, you know, people listening to you guys deserve. I mean, it's just it, how, how important is it to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and you did such a good job, again, in your book of sort of laying out the, the, the groundwork in the first few chapters or the first half of the book, essentially, and then you dove into oxygen and, you know, like you, like we were saying here, it's not just one thing. It's it's all these things together, and then and then this bigger picture of understanding. There's just some core things that we need as human beings. Oxygen being one of those things. So, um, and I, I want people to get referred over to your YouTube channel because you go through so much amazing science. And I think that our conversation doesn't have to be um, super detailed into those topics. And we'll just refer them to the YouTube channel in some areas. But if we could just talk about you know, why oxygen is so important, maybe more so now than it was like 30, 40 years ago. And sort of what, what's oxygen doing in, inside of this pressurized environment? And, and what, do you, what do you think are some of the most important pieces to, to putting your body under pressure to receive this higher dose of oxygen? If you kind of lay that a little bit. Was that one question? <laughs> two two like parts. Three. Well, two, two parts. One sentence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, two. The first part was like, why do you think it's more important now? And then some of those things have to do with what we just talked about. But then more is like, what's actually happening to the physiology of the body when you're receiving those higher doses of oxygen to elicit a healing response? Sure. So there's a lot. There's a lot to that. Um, I want to try to like sort of streamline it into maybe a, a single thought or two. You know. On the surface, uh, I don't think anyone would disagree that, you know, we don't really, uh, we don't die as often from things like trauma um, and infection. And, you know, we've we've made some ground in terms of being able to maintain our health from from an acute uh, traumatic standpoint much more, let's say today than a hundred years ago or, or a thousand years ago. But, but I think what everybody would agree to is that chronic illness is above and beyond the biggest health crisis of, of our time, even in this moment with things like, you know, coronavirus and what's going on, you know, it's really the folks who have pre-existing chronic illness are the folks who are most at risk here, right? So even with an acute infection issue, it's not like the acute infection is the issue as much as all the other things that have gone on in our body and our life. So this this pre-existing chronic inflammatory, chronic degenerative disease, um, you know, these are the things that we see on the rise, whether we're talking about all the varieties of autism 
and autoimmunity or cancer or uh, diabetes and stroke. Like these are the things that are really ailing us. And not only is that something that affects, you know, let's say the more aged population, but as time goes on, we're seeing these things show up earlier and earlier uh, in the, in the lives of the people around us. And so, you know, your question to why is this more important now than maybe some other time? Well, you know, dealing with chronic inflammation on many levels is going to be a really important piece to helping not solve, but at least control, reduce, or get under, um, get people on the right track in terms of reducing symptoms and getting their health sort of redirected. And oxygen plays such a critical role on many levels. So oxygen by default helps to remove uh, toxicity from our body. Oxygen improves, um, I don't know what you guys else have, you guys talk about on your channel, but mitochondrial function, right? So a lot of these chronic illnesses that I'm referring to, if you looked into the cell, you know, the mitochondria plays, it's the part of the cell that makes, you know, energy for each cell. So uh, the mitochondria, the ability for a cell to make energy so that that cell can perform its job is one of the most critical uh, issues underneath so much of this chronic illness. And so when we can improve mitochondrial function, we can improve virtually almost all these chronic illnesses, at least get them on the right track. And so the role that oxygen plays, um, which is complicated. So I'll just say that, uh, it, it, it plays the, uh, a role as a key piece to accepting um, electrons and making ATP, making cellular energy so that the mitochondria can be upregulated so that that tissue type could be functioning at a higher capacity. So the role that all of that's playing is critical for all of this chronic inflammatory and chronic illness, you know, plaguing us. So that's one of the things that I see it as far as uh, why is it so much more important now? Because we have so much more chronic illness and so much more mitochondrial disease that increasing oxygen will shift that whole paradigm. Um, it's not the whole story, but it's, it plays a big role in it. Um, what was the second part of your question? Well, you, you kind of answered the both because the second okay. part was really like, what's sort of the basic mechanism for how that's happening? And and like, so, I'm glad you brought up the mitochondria because that, yeah, that was- Yeah, so that was I guess, so on one part, it's dealing with like mitochondrial function, energy production and inflammation. But on the other side, what it's also doing is it plays a critical role in the healing process. So one is, can we remove the things causing the damage and or improve function? And then can we actually improve healing? Because ultimately, once we have chronic illness for any period of time, there's damage that occurs. And we need, we need to now heal from that damage. And so um, the other piece that oxygen plays is uh, it stimulates collagen production. It stimulates um, BDNF, so like uh, neurotrophic factors. You know, so... Uh, uh, That's what was cleaning up uh, Melissa's cobwebs in her brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So like these, there's the, all these chemical, it's really what it is, these chemical messengers that tell our body, hey, it's time to heal. And these are the things that I need to allow that to heal. It literally, it stimulates each and every one of those steps, as well as promotes stem cell release. And so we need these stem cells, these, these undifferentiated cells that are living in our body to be mobilized from sort of dormant and hibernating into an area that needs to be repaired. And so as it stimulates all these little messengers and stimulates the cells to actually migrate to that area, and while it's reducing inflammation and 
you know, helping improve function. It's creating a full picture of the process that, you know, really, even when we take good care of ourselves, we all need to go through just, you know, living on planet earth for any period of time. So I have a question. So as yogis, we talk about breath and we do a lot of breath work. And, you know, if, could one argue if I spend like an hour doing breath of fire and doing a bunch of breathing exercises and really oxygenating everything, can that compare? I mean, I already know the answer, but I just want you to lay it out. <laughs> can I compare that to doing such a treatment of going into like an oxygen um, chamber? You know, so, so I think that there's a couple pieces to that. And um, yes, yes and no. Okay. So, um, yes, in that our ability to bring oxygen into our cells and our ability to then deliver that oxygen to our cells is really independent of how much oxygen we're being exposed to. Mm. So I love, I love different types of breath work. I do different types of breath work. I think partially from you guys, you guys yeah. have taught us so much about that. <laughs> yeah, no, really. Um, I have like my little at home Sonia version of yeah. <laughs> Monday and Wednesday morning. So, but, um, you know, so almost like a, almost like you're training a muscle, training your ability to bring oxygen in and training your ability to deliver that oxygen is also enormously critical in terms of this whole oxygen conversation. And then that's separate from, when you're in a chamber, I guess the last part of that last question uh, was kind of like, what's the mechanism? Like what happens when you're in this pressurized thing? And so really what's happening is you're taking an amount of oxygen, let's say it's this big and you're making that amount of oxygen this big. You're just, you're pressurizing it. And so you're condensing the amount of space, which means that you can hold a great deal more oxygen particles inside the chamber than outside the chamber. Mm. And when you do that through uh, Henry's law and, uh, Boyle's law, like, you know, chemistry laws, you're, you're able to actually dissolve a higher degree of oxygen into your circulatory system than you can when you're not under pressure. And so breath of fire, you know, I, people ask about like Wim Hof a lot or other various types of breath work. Fabulous. We all need to be doing them. Mm -hmm. And if we do them, we could also do them sometimes outside the chamber and sometimes we can do those things inside the chamber because if you actually do breath work while under pressure you get the best of both you actually are training your body to breathe properly and deliver you know bring in and deliver oxygen and you're being exposed to this higher level of oxygen that you know really um just to go through that real quick for the listeners normally when we breathe in and oxygen dissolves into uh, the plasma of our blood it's immediately attached to a red blood cell, to hemoglobin, so that it could be delivered wherever it's going. And so being in a chamber, because of the high pressure, the amount that you can dissolve into the plasma is many, many times higher than what you could without that pressure. And so while all those red blood cells and all the hemoglobin you know, binding sites on those red blood cells will all be full, because you're dissolving so much extra oxygen, there's now free-floating oxygen in the plasma of the blood. Usually the plasma doesn't hold any for any long period of time. So with that increased dissolving of oxygen into the plasma, that's just an increased amount of oxygen that has the capacity. It's free floating. It's not even bound to red blood cells. Now it's just free, free floating oxygen that has the capacity to just sort of, you know, passively absorb into all the cells as it travels through your circulatory system. 
Yeah, I love how you explain that because in in your book, and I've heard you speak on this many times. You you say that you know the average person without a lung affliction or illness, you're going to be operating around ninety with ninety seven, ninety eight percent oxygen saturation, and then to take it up to hundred percent is like I don't know the first minute maybe in the hyperbaric chamber. And then once you're past that first little dose, you're you're getting this extra diffusion. And um, I'm curious. So, you know, inside these environments, I love how you said that you actually, I remember, Melissa, you said that you used to do some breath work or you do some breath work inside the chamber. Um, what's sort of like a, a recommended frequency for someone? And again, it's going to vary, I imagine, a little bit depending on what's going on. But if I was hoping you could talk a little bit about, uh, as you did in your book, just there's different doses for just like there's different treatments for different people, but there's different ways to deliver oxygen at different pressures, times, and things like that. If you can kind of talk a little bit about that for some of the, maybe some of the typical people that you'd put into a chamber. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, so sometimes people will ask, you know, what's the, I don't have anything specifically wrong. Uh, I'm just trying to maximize my health and I have access either because I have a chamber or, you know, I have a practitioner nearby and you know, I just want to, I, I want this to be part of my program of care. Like what should that look like? So for somebody like that, it ver- again, it's going to vary. I often would, would have people front load regardless. In other words, um, take at least the first 20 to 30 hours and do it on some regular frequency. Because if you did one hour a month for three years, there's a cumulative effect of oxygen that you'll never get at that frequency. And so I, I usually would have people front load it, get some degree of frequency so that they could at least uh, get some cell turnover, get some angio, you know, some new blood vessel growth, uh, get some stem cell mobilization, get some upregulated tissue uh, oxygenation. So increased organ function, uh, improve their sleep, like all the improve their immune system function and activation. You get all the little benefits that you're going to start to stimulate from the hyperbaric and then go into more of like a maintenance dose. So that higher frequency might be two to four hours a week uh, for, you know, four to six weeks. And then could be something like once a week, you know, um, an hour a week, two hours a week. Sometimes I'll do like, I'll go to bed and I'll, I'll go to sleep in the chamber knowing that I'll wake up in an hour or two hours, three hours, and then I'll climb out and go to bed. So sometimes that's how I do it. I'll just get like two to three hours at a clip. Um, you know, and that's my weekly dose, something like that. So there's, there's a couple of different ways that, that that can work out. Uh, you know, other conditions though, when, when you're talking about like, um, inflammatory bowel disease or MS or, you know, some pretty serious autoimmune diseases, the frequency is going to have to be a lot higher, especially in the beginning, because you're really trying to do all those things I said, but do it at a, at a massive amount. So, you know, control for bleeding, reduce inflammation, improve stem cells and healing and, and increase blood flow and oxygen. You need a lot of that. And so those folks are depending on the right, different chambers have different pressure amounts or different oxygen amounts. So which we go through in the book, but you know, let's say if we're using um, like a soft chamber and a concentrator, let's just say, you know, that's the setup you guys have, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something like that, you know, a, a pretty tough autoimmune disease. I mean, six to eight hours a week would not be um, too much, you know, mm-hmm. even eight to 10 hours a week, if you were doing it in lo- longer chunks, uh, wouldn't be too much for a lot of these folks, at least in the beginning. Now, you might have some cases where there's toxicity issues. We know that. 
And so we might try for a frequency like that. And then it just, it might start waking some symptoms up in people in a way that they don't want. And so we may back off, um, kind of keep a little bit less frequent for a bit and then push it once they're beyond that. And in some cases we might push through it because they're willing and able to tolerate that. So we could push through that amount and, um, try to get to the other side of that, you know, a little bit sooner. But, um, so, you know, it ranges from, let's say once a week is like a maintenance type dose or even twice a month as a maintenance dose all the way up to, you know, 10 hours a week, uh, mm-hmm. where you're really trying to super saturate on a regular basis and make some of those changes happen, you know, very quickly. And would that vary for children? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I might have them on a slightly lower maintenance dose, like once a month or at most, you know, mm-hmm. twice a month, you know, they probably don't need as much on that kind of a side. But if we have a child with autism, let's say, I mean, six to eight hours a week mm-hmm. is pretty routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it just depends on like the severity and the, um, the acuteness. Now, sometimes if, if you have access to higher pressure, because that's a higher dose, sometimes you can reduce that frequency a little bit. Um, so again, every, every version of that story, every case is just modified to try to meet the need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to talk a little, take the conversation into the immune system a little bit, just you know, given the current situation we're in, um, there's some really interesting preliminary studies that are going on with uh, hyperbaric uh, oxygen chamber for this particular virus. And I'd love to talk about this, not necessarily even in relation to just a coronavirus, but just immune function in general, uh, viral, bacterial. I mean, you mentioned Lyme too, Melissa. Like, can you talk a little bit about the role of oxygen and its role? I'm not sure if it's through oxidative mechanisms or what have you, but if you could talk about that in relation to the immune system, that would be amazing. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like with Melissa's story, I mean, even with the Lyme, who knows that it's just, you know, Lyme only, that it was a fact, you know, it it's impossible that it would be right. Cause mm-hmm. it's not like we can put oxygen and say, you know, here's the oxygen dose. Here's the lime boom. Right. So it's a, it's a systemic um, tool. Mm-hmm. So it's going to affect everything. There's, there's a few there's a few main mechanisms for immune function. So uh, one is right away from the increased oxygen, it stimulates uh, neutrophils and macrophages. So, so two of the main white blood cell types that we have that fight, uh, infections specifically, uh, immediately, even within the first session or two, uh, are immediately upregulated to fight the, to be able to fight whatever incoming infection there is. Um, next, because of the oxidative effect, so some of our white blood cells use this thing called ROS, reactive oxygen species. So they use this, it's basically like a hydrogen peroxide derivative that our, mm-hmm. our immune system can use to kill infection. And so uh, the, those white blood cells are able to use the oxidative capacity of the chamber to increase their ROS, their reactive oxygen species, so that they're more efficient and more deadly when they actually um, go to kill some type of bug or infection. Um, the other thing that it does is it, it shifts our microbiome. And so that becomes really important because, and, and we'll, we'll, we're learning more about this every day, but, you know, what role, so the microbiome is this, and viome, right? So all of these, you know, bacteria, viruses, fungus, molds, right? Just in case some of your audience doesn't right. know. Yeah. Like all yeah, these yeah, bugs totally. that live in us and on us, right? We're covered 
in microorganisms. And, you know, for the most part, many of them play a critical role for our ability to be healthy. And so when our body is in balance, our microbiome will tend to be in balance and, and vice versa. And so when our microbiome is not in balance, our uh, vulnerability to pathogens increases, you know, a great deal. And so, you know, cultivating a, a healthy bacterial environment, cultivating a healthy viral environment, cultivating a healthy fungal environment. I mean, those are, that's, that's critical to our body. These bugs, the good ones, they're symbiotic. They, we give them a place to live and they protect us. It's, that's the relationship we have with our microorganisms. And so when that's a healthy environment, they play a huge role in our immune system's ability to protect the rest of our cells. And so one of the things that oxygen does is that a lot of the sort of healthier bugs that would live on us, either they're aerobic, meaning they love oxygen, or they're at least oxygen tolerant. And so in these high oxygen environments, we're literally like feeding them and nourishing them just like the way we are with ourselves the way we were talking earlier. So we're literally giving fuel and food to a lot of these healthy bugs. And, and for the most part, the, the majority of the pathogens, the bad guys, the unhealthy bacteria or viruses or all these things that, that live in and on us, uh, they're anaerobic. So they, they, they live in either low or almost no oxygen uh, environments. And so when you add hyperbaric oxygen to the system, not only are you fueling, feeding, and nourishing the cultivating that healthy microbiome, but you're actually making it very uncomfortable. And in some cases, you, you could even call it like a, a natural antibiotic. It literally helps to break down the biofilms that a lot of these pathogens live in. Um, and, it, and it helps to kill a lot of these anaerobic infections. So, you know, there's a really interesting um, balancing tool oxygen plays uh, in terms of the the, the microbiome itself. So basically we have the reduction of inflammation, which we talked about earlier. So inflammation is also part of your immune system. So it reduces inflammation. It upregulates neutrophils and macrophages. It increases ROS. So it makes them more effective killers of, of pathogens. And it has this, you know, microbiome balancing effect to our immune system. So, you know, listen, it's, it's so obvious, right? Like, so uh, on the news this morning, I was reading an article critical vitamin may be playing a role in helping COVID patients. And I'm like, I wonder what that is, right? So I open it up and it's, you know, vitamin D. Vitamin D yeah. you know, <laughs> study comes out that says vitamin D may play a role. Like, really? That's mm -hmm. interesting. So, you know, but we know that when our bodies are being exposed to the things that they need, sunlight, mm -hmm. oxygen, <laughs> fresh air, mm -hmm. you know, our body's ability to find balance is much higher. And when we're, you know, when we're locked inside and covered in blue lights, you know, that's, that's not going to be the case. So, you know, it's just to say that, you know, oxygen as a tool, hyperbaric oxygen, it's an amazing tool. And obviously, you know, I'm passionate about it. We love it. It's played such a big role in our lives. And at the same time, it's still, it's just oxygen. Like, you know, someone commented on my YouTube channel. Well, you know, I live in Southern California. We're on lockdown. I can't get, I'm not allowed to leave. I can't go to my doctor's uh, office. I can't get any of these therapies you're mentioning. Like, what can I just do at home? I was like, go outside, take a walk. You're in Southern California. <laughs> get some sunlight and do some breath work. You know, like just those basic things are so critical for improving our outcome. It's, you know, it's so simple, but, you know, such a massive shift for our body.
Yeah. So you, you've talked about a lot of physical triggers. What if somebody has a lot of emotional triggers? So I was just having a lot of thoughts as you're speaking. I'm like, that can also be used as a time for people to be in this chamber, getting all this like nourishment for their bodies, but it's not just for their body. It's also for their mind. It's time to reflect. It's time to slow down because our life is so fast paced. I mean, this whole Corona thing has forced everybody to slow down, but that doesn't necessarily mean the mind is slowing down at the same time. So would you say that, you know, even if you're doing these tools and you're doing all the right things, if you step out of the chamber and your mind and your emotional body is still ramped up with stress, it's going to maybe inhibit the oxygen from doing the work that it's supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, I, part of what I love in our home chamber is it, you know, it reminds me when I go in there to just like stop and pause and take time for myself. Um, you know, a lot of people will bring devices into the chamber and I really try not to. I really use that time to meditate. And for me right now with being home with the kids, my meditation is strictly on feeling the emotions that I want to feel. So if I'm feeling anxious or ramped up, I work on ramping that down with my mind, my body, my breath. Um, so for me, stepping into the chamber is kind of like my reset and to remind myself to do that. But also, of course, to be doing it outside the chamber is so important um, to, to maintain that benefit, mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to some degree, it's a sensory dep- deprivation experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it can, it doesn't have to be. Right. right? And some people don't want it to be. And right. I get too, but for a lot of us, like, I'm like, you can't get me, I'm in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> the best cave ever <laughs> the kid, now the kids will like knock yeah, out the windows like come in the window. right yeah <laughs> start peeking in yeah, I mean, that, nice. that white yeah. noise that just that white noise and just kind of being in that little snuggly space is really nice yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so i think to um unless we have another question but like i want to ask my big question ask your big question i have a big yeah. question that i like to ask people <laughs> so um you know with everything that's been going on i think a lot of people have been reflecting on you know our own mortality or the mortality or the vulnerability that you know our population whether you live here in the u.s across the world um w- you know we're not um what's the word that i'm looking for invincible Right. There's, there are things that are not in our control, which um, Dr. Jason had brought up before, and there's things that are in our control. And, you know, we all have this like purpose driven life. And I think that's what attracts us together, too, is like we have this um, purpose and this um, momentum that we want to create in the world of health and wellness and empowering people. So what is that imprint that the two of you want to leave for your children and for, you know, those that come into your path, if tomorrow was it? Like, what is it that you guys hope for the world going forward? Oh, that's a big one. It is. <laughs> that would have been a good one to know yesterday. I like on the spot that on that one. <laughs> that is a good one. Hmm. Yeah, you go first. Okay. So um, some version of the, you know, I think that, um, I think doing this for a living, it's this to me, it's this constant reminder, you know, I tell patients this all the time, you know, I don't know that I normally would be sort of as good at doing all the things I need to do for myself if I didn't have to say it a hundred times a day to all my patients. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it, every time I remind them to do something, it's really, it's almost like I'm reminding myself that I also need to do it. And so if living and working in this space, 
it, it does allow, I think it, it gives me at least a sort of a, this constant reminder. Plus I can't tell you to do something if I'm not doing it. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. this whole like leadership piece and this whole, you know, um, walk the walk, so to speak, you know, I, I, it's very important to me and in my messaging that, you know, I'll never tell somebody to do something that I haven't done or aren't currently doing. Um, so, so with that, you know, it gives me, I guess us sort of that, that, that piece, but I think this particular scenario has exposed all of us. I mean, it's, it's exposing all of our vulnerabilities. It's exposing all of our weaknesses, like whatever thing that like, you might be like, well, I suppressed this pretty well. It's not that big of a deal. Like those are the things I think that are like coming to the surface as we're all like yeah. in home with each other all the time that, you know, teach, you know, we're teaching our kids, we're sort of homeschooling now on top of being parents on top of, um, you know, doing the, all the work stuff and videos and writing and, you know, so this is really, I think, exposed our, our vulnerabilities as individuals and as a society in so many ways. Um, and you know, all that does is it takes me back to what I was saying earlier, which is, you know, in all of our lives at at any given time, there's all, you could always make a list, right? Here's all the stress in my life. And there's a lot of it. And, you know, I always tell people we have to, we have to focus on the things that we have control over, right? Because if you take all the stress in your life and you look at all the things you have no control over, which there's plenty to put on that list it just makes us feel more overwhelmed. It makes us feel more vulnerable. It makes us feel like we could never do anything to change any of it. And that only further deepens the hole, you know, that, that, that stress hole. Mm -hmm. If we actually make that same list and we start to jot down things that we actually can change in our life, immediately it empowers us to be able to say, wow, I can make a, I could do that, you know, or if there's Mm -hmm. 10 things on that list, maybe only two of them I feel like I could do right now. So I'll just focus on those two. But after I do those two, it's going to make it easier to do the other eight because right progress, you know, creates momentum too. So it it puts us on a path to uh, actually feeling like we're doing something. And even if it's small, just feeling like we're doing something empowers us to feel like we actually have a say in what's going on in the world around us. And I don't honestly, you know, when I wake up in the morning, you know, I could watch the news. I try not to watch too much, but like I could watch the news now and I could feel like I could take it in without like absorbing it because mm-hmm. it's just information. It's just, it's some, somebody else's opinion and it's just information mm-hmm. and I'm just going to get what I get out of that, but I'm not going to like take it on and like live it in my life because I'm too busy doing this. This other mm-hmm. thing that's really important for me or Melissa or my family. So I need to focus on those things. And so, you know, I think just choosing our brain can only really focus on one thing at one time. And if we allow other people to dictate what that is, we're going to have a hard time making progress. Mm -hmm. And if I choose what it is and I actually choose something that's, you know, empowering me or something that I can make a difference or I can make me feel better or improve my health or the health or the lives of my family, I choose to focus on that because that's what allows me to continue, you know, momentum in the direction I am wanting to go. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would want my kids to know that. Mm-hmm. Well, they're seeing you do it. Yeah. I hope so. Right? That's a big one. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I would say that, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned through this and something I've been working on anyway is, you know, really being present. And I think that that would be one, you know, something really important for me to um, hold in high regard if today were the last day, 
And then also what I would want to leave as a legacy or inspire people to do. So Sonia, definitely, I mean, our time in Sedona, I loved that time. Like you are definitely one of my role models and mentors. I feel like I've got a handful of really powerful women and, you know, for so long being present was just a word to me, but that's really been part of my focus. Like this really last year is being present. And I think it's going to continue to be a work in progress for me, but you know, now, especially being home with the kids. Um, and like Jay said, you know, there's all this stuff around me that I have no control over. And some days I'm totally fine and I'm inspired. And some days I feel just defeated and deflated and even hourly there's times I feel that way. So really just being in the present moment because that's all I can control or um, appreciate or, you know, take from the day and when I am present, I feel like such a better mom. And so I very easily as someone who loves to create and dream and I love what I do for a living. I definitely gravitate towards my phone and email and things like that. Sometimes when stuff with the kids gets tough Mm -hmm. and it's so much easier, it's a distraction. And I'm just really, you know, this is such an intense time for everybody. And I think like Jay said, a lot of stuff comes to the surface that's always there. And so for me, I want to really use this time, probably a very challenging time for me um, to be present because if I can master it now, I feel like I can maintain that through whatever our, our, our life looks like after this. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You guys are beautiful. Mm-hmm. You are. You so are- where, <laughs> where can people find you guys? and get to know you more and get information or if they want to come work with you. Yeah, um, definitely our YouTube channel is a really good resource for people. So the YouTube channel is just H-B-O-T, H-Bot, Space USA. Um, Our website is uh, hbotusa.com. So again, all spelled out. And so probably our two main spots. Um, And the book. Book, Oxygen Under Pressure. (laughs) is on amazon and then of course how are you guys doing how how are your sweet boys doing they're amazing uh well when you were speaking i was thinking i'm you know going through the same things as a mom and as you know of small fathers too and trying to navigate um business homeschooling life and all the changes and yesterday i just had this moment i was telling nick about it the kids were um in a bit of a struggle they were fighting with each other And, you know, we didn't do any um, homework yesterday. And I was like, oh, you know, I got to get that in and thinking about all these things. But then as I was watching them, my youngest was outside with me and the older one's inside. And the older one knew what he did was wrong because he manipulated the younger one a little bit. So he made this little cardboard toy for him kind of thing and wrote a message on it, apologizing and sent it out. And then so I... um, um, read it out to Soren, my youngest, and he's like, okay. So then he goes and grabs some cardboard and he's like, can you write, I'm sorry too? (laughs) And so then he sends him a little message and I was like, okay, well, this is what it is. I mean, it's not the math. It's not the reading. It's none of that. It's, it's community. It's relationship. Like this is the legacy that we want to leave behind. It's connection. And a big part of that connection has been lost this last little while and it's been regained too. So there's like those two different polarities that are playing right now. And so I think just seeing that has been really like that shifted me, like watching that happen. It kind of took me out of the like, Oh, 
this we're okay. We're, yeah. we're all doing okay. Mm-hmm. Love that. We didn't get to math today, but we'll still be okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot. That one. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting the space to learn these, these bigger right. life yeah. skills and life tools. Mm-hmm. I will say one of my favorite things about having them with at home for school now is I used to feel like I'd go to pick them up from school. I'd get, you know, our older two were in school, our, our youngest one wasn't, but I get both of them with all of their emotional needs for reasons that I had no idea what had happened and also needed to cook dinner and do the homework. And, yeah. you know, now we have this space. And again, if I can be present and make those connections um, to the best of my ability that day, like I know what's going on. I know what they need. I know when they need space or freedom or, you know, jumping on the trampoline, it's so much easier to understand what they've been through through the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I mean, that's the piece, right? It's like we, we do what we do to model for them so that they can navigate the world that's coming for them and create resilience inside of them emotionally and physically and mentally and all those things so that um, they're ready for when they're, they're in our shoes, hopefully taking over our clinics and doing exactly what we do, right? <laughs> Yeah, little biohackers. <laughs> little biohackers, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they might go the complete opposite direction, but hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, thank you guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was so amazing you. talking yeah. to you. And um, for those of you listening, watching, like, yeah, follow these two. They're amazing human beings. Yeah. And I just have to, like, highlight the book again just because it's it's for everybody. I mean, it, you, you may or may not even have access to hyperbaric hyperbaric oxygen chamber, but if you understand like even the first three quarters, first half of the book, all the different processes that are in play that, that you need in order to live a healthy life, like it just really sets the foundation for then and using something like oxygen therapy as a tool. And so I found it as a practitioner to be super helpful. And I know just reading it, it'll be, it'll benefit patients and, you know, anyone that wants to take, take control of their health. So thanks for writing it, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Good. That's it for now. Okay. So we'll see you guys on the next episode and uh, lots of love to everybody. Thanks Thanks, guys. guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the health ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.